Welcome to Medals and More with me, Catherine Granger. This is the podcast getting you behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport as we build towards Tokyo 2020. I'm Catherine Granger, five-time Olympic medalist and now chair of UK Sport. But what does that bit actually mean? Well, I took on the chair role nearly three years ago. And UK Sport is an arm's-length government body that uses money from the government, but also the National Lottery, and invests in all the different Olympic and Paralympic sports, as well as major sporting events around the country. So with all the insight I've now gained, I want to share it with you as we look forward to Tokyo 2020. Coming up on Medals and More, we'll hear from medalists who've been there and done it, find out what happens once the glory has faded, and speak to one of our greatest ever Paralympians to find out her key role both on and off the track. Rio 2016 rewrote the record books as Team GB and Para GB both finished second in the Olympic and Paralympic medal tables, something that had never happened before. And it was something no one thought possible 25 years ago when Atlanta 1996 saw Britain's worst performance in decades with only one gold medal from a certain Steve Redgrave and Matthew Pinsent and 15 Olympic medals altogether. Since then, with the introduction of funding from the National Lottery, Britain's athletes have literally struck gold. My name is Samantha Murray. Eight years ago, I won an Olympic silver medal at London 2012. The National Lottery has broken boundaries and it's got this non-bias approach. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what sport you're in, if you're a Paralympian or, or an Olympian, they support all these sports. And it's meant that I could pursue this dream to the highest level. My name's Matt Skellen. I'm a Paralympic target shooter. Well, for me, it's meant that I can train full-time. I've not got to worry about trying to juggle a job and, and time on the range. I get to focus on, on my sport, and it's, it's paid off. I've done three games now, going for my fourth. Won three medals, world championships and stuff. So, yeah, it's helped me no end. I'm Alice Tai. I'm a Paralympic swimmer. When I first started out, we called it Bank of Nan and Grandad because... They supported everything, um, but it got to a point where I needed to go to more competitions and I needed more kit and it was just becoming expensive. And then I got picked up and put on a program and started receiving funding. And for me, that was a massive turning point because it just gave me the opportunity to kind of invest it into things that I really needed. And it got me from kind of getting medals at national level to go into Paralympics and winning there. David Smith, watcher player. Made some quite interesting uh, research discoveries as well on the back of some of the funding that's been given. So, um, yeah, we're not, not only has it helped us as a sport, but it's helped grow uh, in terms of disability awareness um, and the sort of medical side of it as well in terms of life prolonging and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's really good. I'm Lizzie Yarnold. I'm a skeleton athlete. Totally down to the support of National Lottery players and the public supporting us. But to know that there are so many sports out there that people can take part in, compete in and become Olympic champion, world champion in, it's a wonderful thing. There's so many opportunities out there and the lottery and UK sport support us to do it. It's Aaron McKibben. I'm part of British Paralympic Table Tennis. Without the lottery, a lot of us wouldn't actually actually be athletes you know I, I, I wouldn't be able to physically train full-time you know living in Sheffield playing all these competitions without the support of lottery and I think the, the fact that the, the Olympics and the Paralympics is in tandem it sort of it sets that standard that actually we're you know we're both equal. I'm Saskia Clark, Rio 2016 Olympic gold the whole national lottery sponsorship and the inception of UK sport um, 
you know, sailing as a sport in 96, we did, we did all right, but that was sort of the launch pad for our whole programme that we've been a really successful summer sport since then. And for me personally, um, you know, I remember getting a call up for a junior squad sort of in 97 and then through to uh, three years ago winning gold. It's, you know, it's been there the whole time. It's supported us travelling, equipment-wise, everything-wise. It's been everything. Atlanta was Great Britain's worst performance at a Summer Olympics since 1952. At the Paralympics, Baroness Tanny Gray-Thompson was one of 39 gold medalists as Britain finished fourth in the medal table. And I recently caught up with her in Stratford, the home of the magical 2012 Games, to reflect on how far we've come from 1996 and how it changed. At the time uh, when the Lottery Act changed and enabled funding to go into elite sport, I was sitting on the Sport England Lottery Awards panel. Very exciting, but we had £20 million a month to spend on improving leisure and sports facilities in England. That was an incredible amount of money to spend. And then when it was like, this is you know, amazing, we're actually going to be able to put money into elite sport and athletes and programmes, I just got shifted to UK sport and, and sat on UK sport for eight years and you know, saw just the amazing changes that happened. Um, not just about financial support for, for athletes and coaches, but the programmes that were able to reinvent themselves and do things in a different way and weren't kind of hand-to-mouth and saw a huge change in um, the professionalisation of the national governing body. So, and, and then, you know, a few years on from that, I actually received lottery funding as an athlete. So um, it, it had a huge impact on my career in lots of different ways. And what, what back at the time, like you're saying, there's a huge amount of money coming in for, for high-performance sport. Did, you, did anyone foresee where it, would, where it would end up, where it would take people? I think we kind of hoped it was going to be uh, an amazing place. I remember being in Atlanta uh, at the Olympics and being in the village and seeing Matt Pinsent walking around. And it was the day after uh, Matt and Steve won their gold medal and kind of gave Matt a hug. And it was that sort of really weird response from him where he was obviously really pleased. But then, you know, this sort of slight sea of desperation around for the rest of the team. And um, I remember that just being quite sad actually so uh, I think for me we always kind of hoped that it would end up in you know just just significant success which was what we've seen and, and just proper talent ID programs and and support at, at all levels and you you enjoyed I don't need to remind you but for those listening 11 goals and 16 Paralympic medals in total now we've seen so many athletes get that opportunity to go out there and, and achieve and and you know achieve their potential how, how important is it that, that our National Olympic and Paralympic teams get that chance? I mean, it's massively important because, you know, the eyes of the world are now on GB in a way they've been for a long time because everyone's beaten. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're not a big country, but we have this huge success on the international stage. And um, I, I think for, you know, the public, it's hugely important. They love seeing British success. And I'm guilty as anyone, you know, every two years winter or summer games I watch sports that I've never watched before immediately become an expert and you you kind of enjoy that moment of success but it's it's not just I think you know when we talk about funding you think about you know supporting international travel but it's about physiotherapy it's about injury prevention it actually is about the other side it's about not completely physically breaking athletes so that when they retire they're able to live a, a long life and don't need too many hip replacements and all the other things that come with elite sports. So it's, it's a whole package of stuff that, um, you know, as a young athlete, I could only really dream of. And how does it feel? I mean, you still obviously work very closely with, within sport, but 
the, the public interest, the public expectation, the public support, say 20 years ago compared to what it is now leading up to Tokyo? And the public expectation is huge. Um, and, you know, I mean, I remember being back in 93, being part of the bid team when Manchester bid for the 2000 Games. Shows how old I am or how long I've been around. And you know what? Now I'm so glad that we didn't win those games then. We needed the lottery funding to come in, to develop the success, to, to be in a place where you could put on this amazing games um, in, in Stratford. But the public just assumed that British athletes will turn up, they'll win lots of medals. I think they're actually much closer now to understanding how much training and preparation and, and all the teamwork that goes on behind the scenes, the, the people that you don't see. Um, and, and Tokyo's going to be amazing. And... Um, yeah, the, the expectation is we'll, we'll carry on winning. Whether we stay as high up the medal table as we are, I think we have to have a little bit of realism because there have been an extraordinary couple of cycles. That is really hard to maintain, but we need to be, you know, at least top 10, top 8. And I think that that's a really still exciting place for us to be. And why, why do you think, for the general public, for the general community, why is it important that we still finish high up in the medal table? It's important we finish up the medal table because I think it's how you feel about watching, you know, people go out, give their best for their country. There is something really special about seeing uh, people in, you know, the, the national track suit and, and being part of that story. And, you know, every single person who, who buys a lottery ticket contributes to that and shares in it. And I think, you know, when you, you see, you know, athlete or hear athlete interviews, the way they talk about, you know, how much national lotteries help them. Um, you know, everyone is part of that. Should be really proud. We we wouldn't have been able to. No government would ever have put that kind of money into elite sport. It, it took something special like the national lottery to do it. And you know, the re reality is that's what that we still need going forward. We still need you know a, a really good level of investment to keep succeeding. And did you find as an athlete it? Obviously, the, the money, wherever it came from, was going to make a big difference. But does it feel, on a personal level, it's, you know, it's come from the public. It's, come, it's a public investment. Does that feel different? I think that's a really good way of describing it. It's about an investment. It's about um, buying into what is a British athlete, what it takes to be one, what it is to be one. And um, I think that's, that's hugely important. That you, you saw it, uh, I mean, around 2012, because we had so many British supporters here, uh, you know, we, we didn't see that so much in Rio, but but people felt part of every single step of the way, right up to watching the medal success. And it's almost, you know, I think individuals felt like they were part of the team. And that's that's really, it's quite emotional to see that. Um, and, you know, long may it continue. And I don't know if you feel the same. I, I certainly feel that now, now you get to watch more sport than actually participate, which is a shame in some ways, but at this level... The more you know about people's journeys and the, the, their backgrounds and the challenges they face and the, their families or anything, the more you then are really quite emotionally connected to those performances when you see it once every four years. And you think when the public feel part of it in that, on that level, it, it means you're a very different team. I'm, I'm way more emotional in retirement than I was competing. Actually, because when I was competing, you haven't got time to watch any other people. Um, you know, I remember at Athens, I watched one race because my last race was the last but one of the games, so I watched the race that was after me. And so you're so focused on, on what you're doing and, and you know, what some of your mates on the team are doing. You don't see much else. And, um, you know, actually, I get to be in a very privileged position and, and watch lots of sport now. And you, you know some of the athletes, and you know their stories through the media, and you know the ups and downs and what it's taken to get there and, 
Um, you know, I always said for me it was never a sacrifice, it was a choice. But lots of families sacrifice. My family sacrificed lots for me to be an athlete. Uh, and mostly not seeing me, so you could debate whether that's the sacrifice or not for them. But uh, you, you know, I, I think those shared stories are really important. Uh, and that's where I think the media has been really good, that closer connection to athletes and sport, that it's not somebody you just see once every couple of years or at major championships. You see all their journey behind the scenes, and that wouldn't happen without support. And we've got less than a year to go to Tokyo. If you put yourself back... in before one of your many, many games. What is, what is that final year like? What is that? What is the feeling? What is the focus? What is? What are they going to be going through? So that final year, you, you know how many weeks are left to selection. You know, you've got your periodized training program laid out. Um, it's, that's the bit I kind of don't miss about it in that, you know, even talking about it makes me feel slightly queasy, actually, because it's, are oh, you going to make it? You're not, you know, and, and lots of athletes are in a position where they, you know, they, they, they don't know whether they're going to make the team or not. It's only a tiny, you know, very small number who, who do know at, at this stage. And, you know, everyone is doing everything they can because there is something special. Uh, you know, for me, being at Paralympics was the most important thing in my career. Uh, and, and you can have ups and downs in between, but you know, for me, I always wanted to, to be at my absolute best at Paralympics, and, and that's what Olympians and Paralympians, or potential Olympians and Paralympians, are aiming for. They want to be on that plane. They want to be in the GB tracksuit, and they want to be a, uh, an amazing. And I think Tokyo will be a really cool games. You know, especially Paralympics ticket sales uh, are huge, and you know, from my very early days where we competed against in front of like three people, and you could name them. Uh, Atlanta uh, you know it's they're going to be packed stadiums and that's what every athlete wants and needs and do you remember that feeling getting that first Olympic Paralympic tracksuit I remember getting my, my first selection letter I was right on the edge of selection and didn't know whether I was going to had a chance or not and I remember uh, entertainment university going home and my mum said to me oh there's a letter there for you and seeing the Paralympic logo on the outside and it's like oh <gasps> I mean now it's an email it's like exam isn't it? results it's yeah an and, and kind of open it and trying to open it my mum being standing in the kitchen sink trying to be really cool pretending and, to be busy <laughs> yes and you know as if she's not really bothered that this is like a huge moment in my life and I remember opening it and it just said dear Tani congratulations I, 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 I don't remember it what the rest of it was like. be on that. it was like it's good and then uh, my mum was very good she went oh you better ring your dad at work oh okay yeah well um, so but that, that, that kind of never changed, you know, that bit where you know you're part of the team is, is huge. And now Life Beyond, you are famously in the House of Lords now, Baroness Grey Thompson. Um, what, what do you think that having done your sport to that level over that period of time has meant for you going forward and being a very successful in a different, different world now? Um, sport teaches you so many things. I mean, resilience um, is, is incredibly important. Patience... Um, although I'm probably quite an impatient person as well, uh, that actually you've just got to work really hard. You know, there are, there are no kind of givens in, in work or in life. Sometimes you might have a lucky break. But I always think, you know, we trained 12 to 15 times a week, 50 weeks a year for a couple of minutes every four-year cycle to be the best you can be. And it's a bit like that in politics. You spend a lot of time writing speeches for two minutes where you might change something. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's, uh, th- there are so many things you learn from you know, managing pressure and people and individuals 
and and just working hard. And do you miss do you miss your sporting life? That's a good question. There are bits I miss. I miss that moment in training when you've absolutely buried yourself and you think you're going to throw up for about 30 seconds at the end of a set and you know that you've given absolutely everything that you possibly can. Uh, I miss that. Uh, don't think I miss competing. I miss bits of travelling with the team. I don't miss coming back from a Paralympics when there's 350 identical kit bags and you're trying to find yours and usually mine was the last one off the plane. Um, so I'm, it's the camaraderie. And you just find that in other ways. You know, I... I've been retired uh, 12 and a half years and I see athletes that I was on the team with and you just drop back into it. There's people I might not see for two or three years and that bond is like instantly there. Um, and, and yeah, so I don't know. Um, I just think I was very privileged to compete when I did and have some amazing people around me and that, that is always there. Tanny Gray-Thompson speaking to me there in Stratford, the home of London 2012. I'm Catherine Granger. You're listening to Medals and More, getting behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport. I won my Olympic gold medal at London 2012 when the motto was inspire a generation. But the inspiration doesn't stop when the flags come down and those medalists retire. Hi, I'm Sarah Stevenson. I won a bronze in Beijing. As an athlete, you don't really see what your transferable skills are. Um, You don't really know how good you are and what you have to offer. And I think it's everyone else that sees that within you. It's just like part of us and it's quite a natural thing that we have. Um, And I think that it's great that Olympic athletes, elite athletes can go into, you know, normal jobs and inspire others to be the best that they can be in their job. Kate Howie, double Olympic judo medalist. You work your way up and head coach is is the role that I always wanted. Um, But in terms of transferable skills, I think within that coaching setup, obviously I've been there, done that, been in a final so I can relate to the players in a a slightly different way because I know what's going through their head, I know how they're feeling, etc. So if anything, I'm a bit of a calming influence around that arena, so that's probably the biggest gain that they've got. I'm Christina Hurugu. I'm just fortunate that I was able to have a good run in my in my in my sport. I was able to go to several Olympic Games. For me, it's just being part of a, a club, a community, people that we have shared interests, we have shared stories, we have similar trajectories. You can have all the medals in the world, but it doesn't always make life easier for you, and it's good to hear that from other people as well. Rona Howey, Olympic gold medalist in Salt Lake City 2002. For sporting heroes, they can go into businesses and talk about the psychology, talk about the team dynamics, talk about teamwork, that people don't actually relate in business and sport, but absolutely it's the same for both. And uh, to me, that's been quite interesting, that journey of how you can interact the two together and yeah I'm happy to talk about my experiences to anybody. Inspiring women each and every one of them and in the next episode of Medals and More we look back at that record-breaking success in Rio with Kate and Helen Richardson Walsh and look ahead to Tokyo 2020 with Max Whitlock and Sir Lee Pearson. I'm Catherine Granger and this is Medals and More, the podcast getting behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport. Subscribe and download and you won't miss a moment.